Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. All right, so maybe some of you have done something so bad as murder. Maybe you didn't kill anybody, but you killed someone else's reputation. You killed that other person's opportunity to move forward. You destroyed something in their life, and now you've covered it up all these years. You can have a do-over. Now, it's not a free pass. It'll cost you brokenness, humility, and crying unto God. Don't fear him. That's exactly what he wants. He wants you to do that. That's the right thing to do. So don't fear him with that. Then you have another guy. He's like a CEO of a huge company, and he looks at his uh, lieutenant's wife, who's pretty good, and well, he looked at her, but I think he stalked her. But we'll go into that so much so that, and by the way, when the head guy could do something, and he's coming after you, she, whatever, was taken over, and now he have adultery. Well, now you got a problem because his reputation is important that he doesn't do these kind of things. So the best thing to do is bring the husband home so they can do their dance. And what happened, he said, no, no, I can't, do, I can't spend time with my family around, while my men are out in the field doing their stuff, doing their jobs. And so eventually the CEO then sets it up so he kills him. And that's besides all, it's all deception too. It's complete deception. So maybe for you it's a lot of adultery. But it's the way you did your adultery. It's how much stuff you had to do to try to cover it up in what you did. That man I'm talking about is, I think, the greatest king Israel had ever known. A man after God's own heart, but also a man who was an adulterer and a murderer. Now, God gave him a second chance, but I will tell you, there is a high cost of a saved man's sin. So he didn't just get a free pass, but he did get a pass. And why he did that is because he was broken. He wasn't afraid to go to the God that he offended. There's a whole psalm about that, Psalm 51. You read, this is how you actually perhaps communicate your brokenness to the Lord. Well, you see, I can go on and on. Man, I've got John Mark here. I've got Peter here. I've got Paul here. These are guys in the Bible that did stuff. John Mark, for those of you who know it, free, he was a quitter. Did he quit the job? Quit on a marriage? Quit on your kids? quit on a team here at church, quit something that you said you would do and just kind of walked away? I don't know why this guy John Mark did it. I, I don't know that, so I can't push stuff into that. But I can say he left the company that he was with, and I don't know that he did it so right because a great guy like Paul really got ticked off over that. But he got a do-over. And you can have a do-over. You ladies are so smug out there. What about me? What about me? Do I get a do-over? Are there any women in the Bible? No, you all are doomed. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. You could look at Rahab. I don't know that she's the strongest illustration, but I can think about the woman who had five guys in her life and they weren't her husband. I could think about her. And then she gets a do-over. She comes to the Lord. She responds to the Lord's teaching, which I'm hoping all of us will do today. You might not have the same result that she had. You'll have the same forgiveness, but not the result. She became, in my opinion, the greatest woman evangelist that ever lived. She went back to her city and just said, here's this guy. 
And there was revival that broke out. So I'm saying you still have a do-over. There's still a great life ahead of you. I don't, I don't care how old you are. And you young bucks that are out there that think that I haven't done anything wrong just yet, it was coming, it's coming, <laughs> all right? So take these notes down and apply them to your life. So Jonah learned that God gives a second chance. Will you believe first that God can do that? These are examples. This is not a history book. It has history, but it's not a history book. It's a book about Jesus. And these are all stories that are real events of real people that are just like you. And God gave a second chance, so he can do it. And if you already believe that, then will you now respond to that God of second chances? Well, let's go to the second point. There's only three, not a lot. Number one, God gives second chances. Number two, God... Excuse me, Jonah learned that God still had a plan for his life. I like that. God still had a plan for his life. So not only did he get a second chance, it wasn't like, okay, I forgive you. Life is usual now. No, there is still more to do. And I would like to cast an encouragement, not a challenge, but just an encouragement to you, that wherever you've done in the past, if you handle it properly, confessing, dealing it right, taking time for God to, not just a, Lord, Forgive me, you know, and then you use that little pass to go around the Monopoly board. It's, no, Lord, I know you forgive me, but Lord, I need you to drill deeply in my life. Why did I do this? What made me? Where was I off track that even got me to this point? What do I need to, to do some stuff behind all of that? And then for the future, Lord, I, I want to be used. I'm ready to go on, but only use me when you think I'm really ready. But I want to be used. I, I, I'm the thoroughbred, so to speak, at the gate, and I'm just waiting for you to throw open that gate so I can go, not just sit back there and feel like I can't do this anymore. I'm, 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 there's no future for me. Here's a simple phrase for you. I'm a really good counselor. Grieve it and leave it. No, no. Some of you carry that baggage with you for so long. And it almost redefines you with junk around you. And you just need to grieve it, deal with it, leave it, move on. Now, when I say leave it, all these guys had scars. Oh, so did Jonah. If you were in a great fish on the ground three days later, what do you think you'd look like? The guy out of Macy's? Think about that for a moment. I think he wasn't really handsome, gals. I think the stomach acid of the just... You look, do you think, what does his hair look like? What does his skin look like? Frankly, what did he smell like? All right? And so here he is, here up on the beach, and the Lord came again and says, go. I want you to go and tell those people. And so I want you to know, he did go. I don't want to read more in that. I don't know that he had scars, but with my sanctified imagination, I think he had something really going for him that he went there. And I want you to know, you have to take some of that with you. You will take those memories. You can't ever erase them. You can pile a lot of good stuff on top, and when you dig deep, open the trunk, the must, there it is. But don't drag that trunk with you. But the point is, you'll have to take those scars with you. But here's what I'd suggest you do. When appropriate, point to that scar. Use it as a reminder of what it cost you and God, in a sense, for when you didn't do what you should do. And by the way, I say that for me. So again, as I look over this, I'm saying to myself, failure is not fatal. You agree with that? Three of you? Good. One more? Failure is not final. So I want you to know, you still have a great future for you. Now when I look at this, let's look at the verse. It says this, arise and go to Nineveh. So that means get off the beach, 
and go to that great city. Now, for us here, because we're in this community, let's just kind of throw a line through Nineveh and put the word Orlando. Arise, go, go to Orlando. It was a great city. I think um, when I think of Orlando, you know, Carol and I, when people ask us, where do you live? We say Orlando. But if, if, if I told them, we live in Castleberry, Florida, you know, that sounds like a cemetery. I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> we live in Castleberry. Oh, what kind of people live there? You know, I know, I know. So I tell people, I live in Orlando. How many know exactly what I'm saying? Would you raise your hand? Ah, oh, thank you, all right? So in a sense, Orlando, I know, but, but it's kind of like it's a big city. Read the, read the context. Read the book. It's short, four chapters. You can get through it in 15 minutes practically. But he was supposed to go to that big city. And then it says, and preach to it the message that I tell you. In other words, maybe you have to change your message. You need to get back on message. So maybe find out what that message is. And it's real easy because it's, it's all right here. You got a book. I got a book. But he said, take that message to those people. Now, there's another thing that, if you know this history of all of this, he was taking it to a people group that he despised, an ethnic group he didn't like. So you've let that dance around in your mind for you. And maybe it's not an ethnic group. I love everybody, but I don't like handicapped people, people that are physically challenged, mentally challenged. So whatever might be that group that you have the hardest time working with, it could be the homeless. For some of you that are so spiritual and pious that you love working with those people, but you won't work with rich people. You despise those that have money, however they got it, legally, of course. <laughs> but the point still being is that you have a wall of prejudices. And I think God has a sense of humor. And you say, hey, go to the guys you don't really like, the opposite from who you are. Now, why would that be the case? It's easy to love you and you love me because we're a lot alike, so I don't have to dig into Jesus who loves I can do it with my love. So God now has wanted us to use his love. Now, there's one other thing that's, I think, kind of funny. You can use this when you play Bible trivia. That city had a god that was named Dagon. Mainly, it was known as being the fish god. Now, think about that. Isn't that cool? So, so I'm thinking in the New Testament, it says, and Jonah is a sign. There's a lot of sign stuff in there, you know? Hey, thrown up by a fish. He's going to a place where they worship fish. Man, this is really neat. I wonder if they wore fish lapels. i got to get on here. You know, little pins. But Back to this, though. Here's a question that some of you, I think, if you're really tracking, should be asking yourself this. Here's the question. Jonah knew what he was supposed to do when he got the second chance. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Am I to be a missionary? Maybe. A preacher? Maybe. Christian school? Maybe. Housewife? Maybe. Duke it out under the radar and be the best single mother I could be. You don't know. You know? You just don't, you don't know. I have quandaries like that. Seriously. Last night we were telling the, the alumni Florida Bible College, that I, I, I don't know where Florida Bible College is really going, I, I, even living permanently in our own place, but where we're going and what it's going to look like, what the classes, how we're going to, even how we're going to deliver them. Will it be a classroom or electronic or both or none or what? I don't know that, but here's what I do know. I do know what we're to do. Abraham didn't know where he was going, but he knew what to do. 
So you may not know that, what you're to do. So without you raising your hand, for those of you that say, I really don't, do I buy this car, that car? Do I go to this college, that college? Do I marry this person, that person? Do I get out of this or get into that? I will like to give you a very quick, and I'm not going to preach all the verses, but I want you to have a, a shopping list of stuff that you can do, and I'm going to even suggest that you do it in this order. <gasps> Sounds like legalism, <laughs> but it's not. Here it is, number one. And right now I'm speaking to those who know Christ as Savior. I will come back to those of you that are kind of looking in, so you're not left out, but listen to what I'm telling them, because it'll be a part of what you will want to do too. So here we go. Number one, here it is, real simple. What does God want you to do? He wants you to love Him with all your heart, soul, and mind. You don't need to wait for another message from God. He's telling you the first commandment is to love Him with all of your heart, soul, and mind. So if you want a second chance, maybe your second chance is to start at what we should have done as our first opportunity, and that is to fall in love with Jesus. So I would say dig deep into that. For frankly, if you got that right, it seems like all the other stuff come, comes easy, doesn't it? You know. Here's the second thing. Once you know Jesus Christ in the sense that you love Him with all of your heart, then I think the first thing, well, love is a big deal here, so I want to love who does God love? You know, who, who, who does the Lord love? Because I, I want to be on the page with Him. So if He loves others, I want to love. Oh, that's it. I love others. And so for you, you, you need to put down, I love others. And that's everybody. We get the blanket deal. But maybe for you, maybe put, if you're taking notes, a little initial right there to the most unlovable person in your life. That sandpaper person. As Tower says, that irregular person. Your husband, maybe, okay? Just put their name down. Whatever that person might have done to you, God says, wait a second, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to bathe them in love. You know why? Because you love me. And if you really love me, you need to love others. Here's the third. You need to make sure they know Jesus Christ is your Savior. You need to present the message of salvation. Now, I know we can do it without loving the Lord, but you won't last long in this whole thing of doing God's will. So start with the first, and then out of this, you're going to find that it's easier to share the message to someone that you really love. Now, let me make sure you understand this. So look up here for a second. I know he is saying in this context, love your neighbors. But you take that truth and you wrap it, or you put it, you embed it into the rest of the truths in Scripture. Here's what he's saying. I want you to love others no matter how bad they are, whatever they've done to you, because you don't love them with your love, you love them with my love. You see, so now it becomes, frankly, doable. All right? So you need to present the message. Faith alone and Christ alone for the glory of God alone. The next thing is we know that we need to teach others. So whether it's one-on-one -on -one with your kids or whether it's one-on-one -on -one with your best bud, guys with guys, gals with gals, couples with couples, however that works for you, you need to teach them. Whether it's a formal thing, whether it's a small group setting or whatever, you need to teach them God's Word. If you want something to teach them, what do I teach them? God's Word. Wow, how do I do this? You know, Start one thing at a time. Teach them how they can find Christ as Savior. Teach them how to feed themselves. There's so much, and that's why we have classes at Florida Bible College. That's why there's small groups here in this church to help you learn and come alongside and do it together. All right? The next thing is that we need to be a good manager of what God has quote, loaned to us. He owns it. He's kind of loaning it to us. Basically, I think they're more 
not toys to play with or weapons to do warfare. I think these things are really tools to build with. And that would be our time, how we use our time, how we use the abilities that God's given to us, music and other things. Could be some of the treasures that we have, and you can go all over the map with that, but you know what we're saying. It could be our tongue, what we say and don't say, and frankly, how we say it. Could be our temple. Now, it's hard to do this, but if you love others and you want them to come to faith and to go on to become a fully obedient worshiper of Christ, you will then take care of these areas. Do you have a moment for me to tell you what's happened to us this week? we got people staying at our house, which we really love. Our house is it's not huge, but it's a nice house, and, and Carol is such a wonderful hostess and all, but um, we got a rescue dog and a cat. Any of you leaving today to go back, I'll give them to you. But don't take my wife. She wants me to go with you if I do. But anyway, get back here. This is what's important. What you need to know, we live in a real world just like you do. I think the Lord brings people and things and situations in our life so that we have to wrestle deep with what am I preaching, am I living it. Carol called me the other day, and this little rescue dog is still having to figure out that it's outside you go to the bathroom. All right, So Carol takes her on around the neighborhood. And if you notice how it was so beautiful and sunny this week, wasn't it a beautiful week? You know? <laughs> so here's my wife. And as she's walking you know, in a proper place, there's a guy that comes out of his house going to his pick-em-up truck. That already tells you he's, you know, rough and tough, hard to diaper. All right, so he's coming to his truck, and he goes up to Carol. What are you doing with that dog? Don't you know how to do You can get this dog away from my house. I mean, he was going like this, you know. And um, then he pointed his, her, in Carol's face. I, that was terrible. I know you later, <gasps> what did Carol do? Bit it? <laughs> no, I don't know. She, you know, but... And so what's happening, she's dealing with all of this. And so, and my wife is one of, if you know Carol, she's one of those real, everybody loves Carol, okay? She is sweet and kind under all kinds of pressure until she reached a threshold. <laughs> Don't ask me how I know, okay? But let's go on. <laughs> now listen to this. After this guy vented on Carol, and Carol took it with, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean, we didn't bring our dog, he didn't do what you think he did, it's all of that, he's a, he can't, he just learned how to do this, and we're just trying to help him. You think that would melt that guy's heart? No way. So he shuts up, gets in his truck, drives out, gets to the gate, he then backs up, and he does it the second time to Carol. The second time. You know, um, now I have to dig deep in all this stuff because you know I, I want to expl- I want to call Uncle Guido and all of the other uncles to come and help this guy. I'm telling you, John and Ken that were staying at our house, they said we'll get him for you, you know. And I thought this is good. I can still love them and let, let these guys do my work for me, you know. That didn't happen. All I'm trying to tell you is that we live life, and I mean to tell you, it wasn't so much that he could say whatever he wanted to care. I get that he could be so wrong. I get that. But to be a bully and to live in a 19-home little tiny subdivision to do this to someone that we're going to have to live together if a tornado hits our subdivision. Seriously, this is tough stuff. So far, I'm doing okay. All right. (laughs) The last thing I'd like you to say on this, the list of stuff that we know we need to do, it begins with loving the Lord. And if you do that, the rest of the stuff becomes easier. But watch this. Some of you that are saying, I don't know what to do. If I just knew what to do... I think 
let the dust settle. You already know what to do. I think you just have to man up and woman up and just do it. You know, just do it. So the second basically is that God does have a plan for your life. I don't care how bad it is. I love the weeping prophet who talked to some exiled elders about them and that little group. By extension, I think there's a principle there. When he then says to these guys, he says, the Lord says this, for surely I know the plans I have for you. Plans for your welfare, not harm. To give you a future with hope. Now don't take that too far, seriously. This is not like you do all this right stuff and you win the lottery tomorrow. No, here's what it is. You have a hope. What you lose here, no matter what, even in your second and third chance, you will win in eternity. That's the promise. Keep that in mind. I hope it'll encourage you. So God still has a plan for your life. You young people that are listening right now, I want to speak to you just for a second. It is a little more difficult for you because you're just beginning to learn these truths, and I don't want you to just take these truths and throw them in like a, that's a horrible illustration, but a snowflake in the blizzard of truth because you don't know anything about blizzards and snow here in Florida. But, but the same, these are key, but watch this. That doesn't mean you just go willy-nilly through life. I believe that God does have a plan for your life. And I believe it's a will for your life. Now, these are biblical wills. These are easy to figure out, but there is something that God wants you to do. You were in the mind of God before you in your mother's womb. You were given all sorts of stuff to get you to this far. So if you don't know what that plan is, and here's what I would encourage you to do, then God's will for you while you're doing this is to, to discover God's will for you. That's God's will for you. And then when you find it, do it with all your might, no matter what it costs you. Okay, I'm going to leave that and give you the last point right here. I want to talk about Jonah learned how much God can do with one person who will take the second chance. Isn't that interesting? When God does give you a second chance, He gives you a second chance so that you will do something. And here's what I really love. When you take that second chance in faith and you step forward knowing that God gave you that second chance, God will do greater things in your life than you ever could imagine. He's not looking for people, perfect people. Actually, he's looking for the opposite. He's looking for broken people. Okay, There's a whole potter in the clay story. Remember that? Go back to that. And he will use you. So when I look at all of this, I'm very much encouraged by it. Look at the verse now. It says, so Jonah arose... That was a good thing. And he went to Nineveh. He finally got the memo. According to the word of the Lord, he did what he was supposed to do. He went there. So now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city in the first day's walk. Then he cried out and he said this. Listen, this is cool. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was the message. Hey, you guys, God is going to rain judgment on you. In the English, there's eight words. In the Hebrew, there's only five words. So it's a little tiny little phrase. Now, I really think there was a lot more around it, but... The Lord said, all you need to know is this, people, for eternity, for the legacy, that God's going to do this. So he had the message, and he moved ahead with it, and he did what he was told to do. So he went there. Now, I'm not really sure if he started the very first person that you know, came through the gate while he was walking through Nineveh. I personally think he started earlier than later, so I don't think he went out and came back. I really think he started doing that. So I'm just going to say to you, once you know what you should do on all those that are already listed, start right now. Start right now. Start today. I'm tired. Yeah, so am I. We all are tired. We've got to get into this stuff. 
And now let God take care of the results. So don't say, I'll do this if. No, I'll do this because you love me. Follow me? Okay? And I think that's a wonderful charge for all of us. I also want to remind you that sometimes um, we are given a second chance and we blow it. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't have anybody particularly in my mind, but some of you know that you got a second chance on another marriage and you blew that and now you're in another one. And I want you to know, again, move forward with these truths and make this work. Now watch this. And whatever you might have lost because of wrong choices in the past, God could take where you are right now and open to you a wonderful opportunity to touch people's lives as a marriage builder of others. I am so excited for your future. All of you have that hope, but don't waste it. There's another guy in the Bible, (laughs) say this word with me, Hezekiah. Can you say that? Hezekiah. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. 